How's it going, guys? It is 3.07 a.m., 10th of May here in Japan. We have a medium difficulty question for renal step one in trauma medicine 2CK. Before we start, please subscribe to my channel. Really appreciate it. Give me a like. Really appreciate it. Find me on Instagram, Melman underscore medical. I mean, HLMan underscore medical links down below. Find me on Telegram, links to Telegram group and channel down below. Now start the clip. 61-year-old woman. She's admitted to hospital for treatment of pneumonia. Ceftriaxone has commenced. Third generation cephalosporin. She's also taking hydrochlorothiazide for hypertension, glybenclamide for type 2 diabetes, acetaminophen for osteoarthritis. 48 hours after admission, serum BUN is 52. Should be under 20, creatinine 2.3, should be 0 0.7, 1.2. Once you've hit a creatinine of 2, you've lost 90% of your renal function. Fractional excretion of sodium, 0.8%. I'll talk about this as we move to the question. Urine sediment is unremarkable. Urine blood protein cells, all negative. Question wants to know what's most likely to be seen in this patient. Let's just hop to the answer to here. Choice A, decrease angiotensin 2, wrong fucking answer. So patient's on a thiazide. So if you have decreased fluid status, your RAS is going to jack up to compensate. So under the action of well, increased renin, you're going to get increased angiotensinogen cleaved into angiotensin 1 and increased angiotensin 2 production. Wrong fucking answer. Choice B, decreased serum glucose. Wrong fucking answer. So patient has type 2 diabetes mellitus. Now, those of you who are astute, who happen to know about glybenclamide, just decide to throw this obscure drug in here to be a flagrant asshole. This is a sulfonylurea that is classically known to cause severe hypoglycemia. However, nothing about this patient's presentation denotes hypoglycemia. There's no tremulousness, diaphoresis, tachycardia, etc. There's no reason to specifically think about hypoglycemia in this case. Wrong fucking answer. Choice C, increased serum eosinophils, wrong fucking answer, because this patient, those of you might latch on to the point that she is on uh, cephalosporin. Now, ceftriaxone, third generation cephalosporin, classically the first generations like cephalexin, cefazolin can cause interstitial nephritis, aka interstitial nephropathy or tubular interstitial nephritis nephropathy, which can cause eosinophils in the urine. Right, So probably four out of five interstitial nephropathy questions will be patients on an NSAID, beta-lactam, cephalosporin, has eosinophils in the urine. Okay, we have negative cells in the urine here and maculopapular rash only in about 50% of patients. And I'd say for the one out of five questions, they can just say patients on an NSAID and has mild hematuria, proinuria. They don't say anything about eosinophils in the urine, nothing about a rash, and that's also interstitial nephropathy. In this case, wrong fucking answer. Choice D, increased urinary osmolality, correct answer. Now, diagnosis is pre-renal azotemia, secondary to the diuretic, hydrochlorothiazide. We've got a BUN to creatinine ratio greater than 20, and we've got a fractional excretion of sodium under 1%. Now, you might say, well, why is the BUN to creatinine ratio greater than 20? Why is the fractional excretion of sodium under 1%? It's because if you have decreased fluid status to the kidney uh, in a subacute to chronic time frame, then the kidney is going to attempt to reabsorb water to compensate. Now, the way it accomplishes that is by increasing retention of sodium in urea because water will follow. So you're pulling sodium out of the urine. What's going to happen? Okay, well, the fractional excretion of sodium is under 1%. You're going to have less sodium in the urine. 
If you're increasing retention of urea so water can follow urea, well, your blood urea nitrogen is high. So your ratio is greater than 20. Now it's a long discussion. I'll link my renal PDF below. I've made plenty of clips here on YouTube about it. But you should quickly know that acute drop in perfusion of the kidney, acute, such as in the setting of blood loss during surgery, trauma, exsanguination, will cause acute tubular necrosis almost always, not pre-renal. Okay, and that's because the PCT, high concentration of ATPase pumps, high oxygen demand, so they will sloth in the setting of anoxic injury. So real quick, okay, so increase urinary osmolality because you're, you're pulling water out of the urine, okay? Pretty self-explanatory. Whereas in intrarenal and postrenal, you're going to have a decreased urinary osmolality. So that's the starting point. You pretty much just know pre-renal as we talked about. And then you say intrarenal, which is acute tubular necrosis, and postrenal, which is basically always BPH, can sometimes be ovarian or cervical cancer causing impingement of the ureters, uh, will just be a fractional excretion of sodium over 1% and a BUN to creatinine ratio under 20. Lastly, increased pH of the urine wrong fuck of the blood, increased pH of the blood wrong fucking answer. And the reason you know it's wrong is because in renal insufficiency, we are going to have a high anion gap metabolic acidosis. So uremia, the U in mud piles, uremia means renal failure, urea in the blood. Okay. So in renal failure, high anion gap metabolic acidosis, you need to know your bicarb is low in renal failure. That's a pass level point for USMLA. So you could make the argument, you could say, well, the patient's on the thiazide. You're gonna, you could get contraction alkalosis in theory. This patient clearly has pre-renal, but the patient has a high creatinine. So the argument in favor of increased pH as the salient answer choice here, wrong fucking answer. You know the deal makes you make more content. I feel like my stuff, subscribe my channel. I appreciate your time. That's it.